Ghostly Thistle presents The Antique Shop Episode 38 The Wishing Well This episode contains references to suicide. Listener caution is advised. How do people make wishes? It seems as though there's always an opportunity. Candles on a birthday cake, a shooting star, dandelion seeds, even the wishbone for your Sunday roast. Then there's paying for your wishes by tossing a penny in certain bodies of water. Although I wouldn't try it at your local loch. Fountains, ponds and wells. I've thrown many a coin and watched it flutter to the bottom, landing amongst all of the others in various states of green. I don't imagine I'm the only one who's had the urge to dip my hand in and take a scoop. Each coin, every penny, cent and yen is someone's wish. Whether the water gods are in the mood to grant it is another story. A special customer has arrived, looking a bit worse for wear. Death warmed up. She's peely-wally, contrasting with the dark moons underneath her eyes, which have a glazed look, like she's struggling to see, to focus. Some recent weight loss causes her clothes to drown her. She looks at the tea as though it's dog shite she's stepped in. I wish I hadn't bothered. I also wish I wasn't in the same room. You never know if these things are contagious. She tells us that she's no been sleeping, no been eating, has rashes all over her body that she can't stop scratching and pains in every muscle she has. If it's no one thing, then it's the other. She's been to the doctor more times than she can count. They've done every test, scan and examination they can think of, but can find nothing wrong. Somehow the madam's card had made its way into her possession and she'd come straight to the shop in the hope of a cure. Occasionally I'll glance at the madam, trying to read her expression. Usually I have no luck. This time is different. There's a shift in her features, that distant glaze to her eyes as she stares straight through the customer, her words nothing but fading background noise. My boss may not say much, but she always listens. This time it appeared her attention was drifting. When the customer finished, her eyes pleading for help, the madam nodded and directed me to the cabinet of wonders. It takes me a lot longer to fetch things for inside now. I'm too busy ogling at the rest of the contents. The shelves full of glass bottles, various candles lined up by colour spectrum and size, boxes containing mysteries, and dividers overflowing with crystals, stones and precious gems. My task this time was to get one of the glass bottles with a green ribbon round its neck, 
filled with clear liquid that I would have said was vodka or water, but was probably something a bit more exciting. I placed it on the coffee table between the madam and the customer, taking my seat to hear the explanation. The woman was to drink the water over three days, taking an equal amount each day. After that, her symptoms would disappear. I waited for the usual instruction to return to the shop if the remedy didn't work. But it didn't come. I felt my eyebrows start to crease into a frown, which I quickly smothered. It's not like they ever came back unsatisfied anyway. Perhaps my boss was sicky saying it. The woman nodded her heed in the most eager way a sleep-deprived person is able and left, clutching the bottle like it was filled with holy water and she was being possessed by a demon. I kept my face as neutral as I was able as I looked to my boss, waiting for the explanation. I'm surprised to say I actually knew this one. Well, half of it anyway. On the Black Isle, in the heart of the Highlands, lies an ancient and mysterious well. Thought by historians to date back thousands of years, with connections to the Druids and Picts of old, Clutty Well, as it's known today, is thought to bring healing and good health to anyone who ties a scrappy fabric soaked in its waters to one of the ancient trees surrounding it. As the rag decomposes or disintegrates, so will the person's illnesses. It's always water with Scottish folklore. That's where our monsters come fae and where our wishes are offered. We're scared of it, yet we revere it. Scared of drowning in a loch or stream, but we'll soak a rag in a well in the hopes it'll heal us of our ailments. I suppose there's a lot of it lying around. It's only inevitable it makes up the foundation of our myths. There's a few similar wells in Scotland, meant to have mystical and magical properties, usually the healing sort. What I didn't know is that there's one that does the opposite. A cursing welly sorts. Much like we clutty well, the cursing well requires a piece of clothing belonging to the person you want to harm. All you need to do is soak the rag and then bury it near the well. This'll visit all kinds of illnesses and ailments to the victim. It had been water in the bottle given to the customer, some for a wishing well to counteract or break the curse put on her. I wonder why she has to drink it, when that's no how it usually works. Maybe it's quicker? To me, that was the end of it. More information I didn't want to think about, another satisfied and uncursed customer, life went on. Until four days later, when the woman returned. Her appearance even drew my familiar's attention away from their game. This was unheard of. The madam's remedy hadn't worked. The woman looked as awful as she had when she'd first arrived. I stumbled over my words, unable to string a coherent sentence together in the face of this customer's return. As I passed by Finn, 
I noticed the shadow across his face, the glimmer in his eye that made the growing unease in my stomach clench painfully. It's fine. The madam, although semi-immortal, is still mostly human. We all make mistakes. Or perhaps it was like medication and didn't work the same way on everyone. There were plenty explanations. I didn't need to be concerned. So why was I, despite all of those arguments? I forgot about tea, preoccupied with the situation we unexpectedly found ourselves in. The customer sat down, told the madam the remedy hadn't worked, produced the empty bottle and waited for the next suggested cure. A trip to Clutie Well? To all of the healing wells? Some kind of ritual? My boss let the silence linger as she surveyed the customer across the coffee table. There were cracks in her usual blank facade. A storm in her eyes I couldn't tell was anger, frustration or sadness. It didn't make me feel any better. I think a part of me wasn't surprised when she said there was nothing else she could do. Something deep down, buried along with other useful things, could sense that something about this whole thing wasn't right. A wrong note in a song, an incorrect harmony. The customer slumped on the sofa, her remaining energy and will seeping out of her like air out of a tyre. Madame Norna had been her last hope. Knew it was gone, only despair remained. People did drastic things when they were desperate. When the customer left, I went where? I opened the front door, heard the bell chime above my head and hoped that its echoes would drown out what I was about to do next. I followed the customer out and asked her for a piece of her clothing. I didn't promise her anything, but said there was something else that I could try. It might take a few days. My own thoughts did point out that I might be giving this woman false hope, an impossible dream to cling to through her misery. But what was the alternative? Letting her go so she can throw herself off a bridge? She reluctantly gave me a ripped piece of the lining of her coat. Emerald green satin fabric that was silky soft between my fingers as I shoved it into my pocket. When I went back inside, I quickly told my familiars what was going on, keeping an eye out for Kronos. I didn't want him knowing what I was going to do next. I was going rifling through storage. But in order to get there, I needed to slip past the madam. Finn was to be the distraction, allowing Reed and I to sneak past the front room and into storage without my boss noticing. If that was even possible. The comedy sketch, all three of us going upstairs in sync so the floorboards creaked at the same time, tested my ability to hold in a laugh. Finn went in, started talking about something I wasn't really listening to as he closed the door behind him. And as silently as we were able, Reed and I slinked past.
Despite his height, Reed's surprisingly light on his feet. Fox-like. I've never been jealous of him before, but that would have been a really handy skill when I used to sneak back to my dad's house after a pal's booze filled empty during my school days. It was only when we got through the door into storage that I began to realise how badly thought out this plan had been. I had no idea where anything was, let alone a small bottle with some water in it. I vaguely remembered for the last time I set foot in there that there were a few cabinets that looked identical to the one in the front room. If there were fragile glass bottles anywhere, wouldn't they be safely behind some doors? The only question was, which door? The deeper we went, the more cabinets I began to see, and the more wind was taken out of my sails. We had no choice but to check each one. We stuck together for a while. I stopped Reedfe falling into a dark pit in one of the cabinets. He helped me close the doors of another that a long, grotesquely stretched arm shot out of, grabbing chunks of my hair in its attempt to pull me in. Remembering that time was different in storage, we reluctantly agreed to split up, but always kept the other within sight. Just in case. A few cabinets later, I was grown exasperated. And when I flung open the doors in the hope they spooking what was inside, all I heard were the chink of glass bottles rippling against each other. It was the cabinet in the front room. It looked exactly the same, even down to the precious gemstones in the divider. Eagerly, I began to look for a bottle similar to the one the customer was given. I began to hear a voice coming from the other side and assumed it was Finn still distracting the madam. It wasn't long before I had the cold realisation that it was someone else. Someone I'd heard before. I felt Reed join me, kneeling down at my side. Just as he opened his mouth and uttered the first syllable of relief, I grabbed his arm and shook my head as frantically as I could, motioning to keep silent with the other hand. His face tensed, the usual frown between his eyebrows deepening. That voice, the one from beyond the cabinet, it was them. The shadow from Madame Honora's shop, the person I couldn't see, the only blind spot in the mirror. The shadow is talking to someone, asking, or more checking, that they didn't help the customer who'd been cursed. There's silence. I expect it to be filled with Anora's voice. Something was wrong with the shop. This was the second time I'd been allowed to eavesdrop on her. Were we connected somehow, through something more than fate? The shadow doesn't like the silence and reminds Anora what'll happen if she doesn't do as she's told. I needn't be worried about a connection. It wasn't Anora's sharp voice that I heard next. The velvety tones of my boss filtered through the gaps in the cabinet door. She confirmed that she didn't help the customer who'd been cursed by the ill-wishing well 
and that the water she'd given her was fake. I glanced down and saw the bottle I'd been searching for halfway back on the shelf. I felt my lips press together, my grip loosen on Reed's arm. I didn't know how long it was, if any more words were exchanged, but I heard the familiar click of the door to the front room open. I bolted out of storage. I needed to see this shadow, this person. I had to get rid of this feeling, the simmering fear that made my chest tight and my stomach churn. I needed to put a face to the voice, an eye colour, a build. I needed to make it human, something I could understand. I heard the first syllable in my name as Reed followed me out. The door to the front room was shut, but I didn't really care if Norna heard me. When I got down to the shop, I could hear the faint echoes of the bell as it faded out. Finn appeared from behind the counter, surprised momentarily before asking if we'd managed to find the water. I interrogated him about the person who just left. I could hear the shrillness in my voice, the higher octave, the quiver. Finn's bemused face and his inability to remember anything about them, even though they'd walked right past him, only served to make my chest clench tighter. Was it a man or a woman? Brown or blonde hair? Tall or short? The more I demanded, the more Finn floundered. He didn't know. He couldn't remember. Why? Who were they? Why couldn't I see them in Anora's shop? Why couldn't Finn remember them now? Why were the madams obeying their commands? Why did I feel like it was only a matter of time before I knew the answers? And she'd come straight to the shop in the hopes of a cure. In the hopes of a cure? In the hopes of a cure or in the hope of a cure? I'm sorry, am I a native English speaker? No. It's in the hopes of a cure, isn't it? Why can I not speak English? I don't speak any other languages, it's not like I've got an excuse. <laughs> oh my god. Oh. English is hard. <laughs> oh fuck. I think it's in the hopes of a cure. Right, I'm going to stop rambling now because it's <laughs> taking too long. This will visit all kinds of ill... Nope. I was going rifling through storage. But in order to get there, I needed to slip past the madam. That was my toe cracking. I'm hoping you can... <laughs> I'm hoping you can't hear that. Oh, it's been a while since I did that. On, on, on the mic. I do that every day, but... <laughs> recording it's a different story. And now I'm going to have to do that entire sentence again. Thanks, joints. He helped me close the doors of that. <laughs> he helped me close the doors of another that a long, grotesquely stretched arm shot out of, grabbing chunks of my hair in, in its attempt. Fuck. <laughs> Thanks.
Thank you for listening to episode 38 of The Antique Shop. Episode 39 will be released in two weeks' time. Scottish folklore time, everybody's favourite time! (laughs) Yes, it is Scottish folklore time. So, Clutie Well is a real place in Scotland. It is situated on the Black Isle, as I said, and no, I've never been. Uh, I'm such a bad Scottish person, I've I've never been to half of these cool places. Which actually might not be such a bad thing as there are some environmental problems with Clutie Well now as so many people have left pieces of fabric that it's actually starting to harm the wildlife and the the trees around the well. So I wouldn't recommend visiting. (laughs) Because clothes these days are made of mostly polyester, the clutes or the rags aren't decomposing as they're supposed to so it kind of negates the point of the well in the first place. If you are going to go, go with natural fibred fabric like cotton, linen or silk if you can afford it uh, and it'll decompose and that's the whole point. So <laughs> yeah, advice from a podcaster. If you're going to go to Clutie Well and you're going to leave and you want ailments cured, leave natural fibres please. The way it works in real life is the same as I described in the episode. You get a clute, which is the Scottish word for a rag or a cloth. You dip it in the water of the well and you tie it to a nearby tree and and as the clute decomposes, so will your ailment. So it's pretty simple. Don't worry, there is no such thing as the cursing well. I, I made that up for the episode. Although there is a ceremonial well somewhere in Murray that goes back to the Picts, but no one has been able to figure out exactly what it was used for. Almost definitely not cursing people to bad health, but uh, one can imagine. <laughs> and uh, Scottish culture time, I kind of realised I had put this in to the episode. Mostly for Scottish people of my age, so my age is showing a wee bit here. <laughs> uh, so I mentioned Maya sneaking back from a friend's empty when her and Reader are sneaking past the the madam's room to get into storage. She says that she wishes that she had as light a feet as he did when she was coming back from a friend's empty when she used to live at home with her dad. This is probably a generational thing. I don't know if the bairns these days still use this terminology. But when I was a teenager and someone's parents used to go away on holiday or somewhere similar, they were away from the house for like a day or two, and they used to leave their children in the house, that child would have friends over and we used to call that an empty. And you can bet there were underage drinking and a lot of inappropriate shenanigans. It sounds quite irresponsible now that I'm an adult, uh, leaving your teenage child in the house alone. I'm talking late teens though, I'm not talking like 11 and 12, like we were about maybe 16. Yeah, 15, 16, 17. You, you, we, we used to have them quite a lot the older we got, so between the ages of like 16 and 18... There used to be quite a lot of empties, if I remember correctly. Which sounds really bad, because somebody's parents must have been going away an awful lot. So yes, that is what an empty is. It is essentially just an empty house. I think I don't even know where the term comes from. I just know that we all used to use it. Uh, even I had an empty or two in my day, in my time. Um, yeah, so it's essentially just if uh, your parents go away for like a weekend or like a few days for some reason and you're left in the house by yourself for a few days you have friends over you don't always have to drink but I feel like drinking is a lot more important to you when it's illegal <laughs> if that makes any sense I feel like you're a lot more desperate to drink alcohol when you know that you're not legally allowed to do it so yes there's your Scottish two two for one this week you got your 
history, Scottish history lesson and a Scottish culture lesson. Oh, don't say this podcast isn't educational. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening and I will see you next time.